Welcome to the Global Digital Banker Podcast. This week, we take a look at how heightened customer expectations are driving buy now, pay later services across the Australian and New Zealand markets. Our guests include Tommy Mermelstein, Chief Strategy Officer at Zip Money, and Kate Wilson, Research Director, Australia and New Zealand at RFI Group. I'm joined by Tommy Mermelstein, Chief Strategy Officer for Zip Money in Australia. Tommy, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Payments is an area within financial services that continues to grow in Australia and all around the world. I mean, in the last 18 months, we've seen the rollout of new payments infrastructure, digital wallet offerings, simpler payment identifiers, and more recently, the rise of buy now, pay later services. So can you start by giving a bit of an overview about what's happening in the buy now, pay later space within the Australian market? First of all, when I think of buy now, pay later, I think of it in the context of alternative payments. Mm -hmm. And both here locally in Australia as well as globally, alternative payments is extremely hot. It's exploding. And I think what's driving that is the customer's expectations. So the traditional model where you only had a number of limited choices at checkout when you were actually getting there to pay, that's just not work moving forward. So customers are looking for more payment flexibility, more payments choice. And what we're seeing here in Australia in particular is that's booming online to the point where customers are expecting it there. And they're almost surprised when there isn't an alternative choice that gives them that buy now, pay later solution or some some version of that mm-hmm. at checkout. And what's started really as an online f- phenomenon is really now also taking off in the offline setting. So that omni-channel experience and delivering to that customer that same flexibility, both whether you're shopping on their website or whether you're in their bricks and mortar store, that's really sort of coming to fruition now. And here in Australia, it's coming to the point where the expectation and and the customers are even driving to have more than one buy now, pay later choice at checkout. So you're seeing a lot of retail understand the benefits of having multiple alternative payment choices and and each fitting a different niche and and servicing a different customer need. So what we're seeing here is that alternative payments is becoming mainstream and sort of the norm as opposed to something that's not always available. Yeah, it definitely seems like now more than ever, consumer expectations are really driving product offerings and they're kind of taking control of what they want to be doing. I mean, there's definitely that kind of instant gratification movement going on, particularly amongst the millennials in terms of, you know, they don't want to wait. They want options. They, ha- they want choice and they know they have the power to drive this. Are there any kind of generational differences or trends that you see with, with your offering in the Australian market? So I think, you know, definitely where we're, we have an overrepresentation in the millennial segment, and they've been quicker to adopt these technologies and, and these alternative choices. But we're, we're approaching a million customers. Some of the other players in markets have north of two. And, and now it's really starting to expand beyond that original first use case, where if we're giving customers choice, flexibility, the ability to repay on their own terms, that value proposition actually resonates with a lot of people, and especially across different verticals. So um, I actually think that it has a lot more growth potential because it could expand from just that core millennial customer set. Yeah. And when it comes to types of purchases that you notice, you know, what customers are using the services for, has this changed? I can imagine initially I was seeing these things in a more retail space. How has that expanded since since inception? So yeah. from a 
customer perspective, we're giving them the flexibility to, to buy the what they want today and pay it back over time under their own terms. And our product and a lot of the other products are market under interest-free terms. It's actually not costing them anything. Turning shoppers that are just browsers into purchasers, right? It's increasing basket sizes and it's delivering new customers to those retailers. And really trying to to take over that credit card model where, you know, credit cards have been built on customers accruing high balances, paying interest and revolving those balances. So if you think about the credit card, any place a payment from a credit card is being taken, ultimately we want to be able to play in. So we, we don't want to be pocketed to specific niches. But on the same time, you know, since the business has been founded, we have targeted specific verticals where we think the product will resonate more. So on the Zip side, we have two products. So we have Zip Pay and Zip Money. And across the two products, we can spend any dollar amount of between one and $30,000. So when the business was originally formed, it was targeting that retail finance, that traditional interest-free model where finance is intimately sold with the product. So that would have been the TVs, the couches, and we've done well in that, that home space. But then we started moving into other verticals like travel, like education. We really like health that speaks to our mission and our values by pay for those gap and the, the things that they need in that space. Dental is a big market for us. So I guess there are definitely specific segments that we target, but longer term, any place that a payment is consummated, we want to at checkout. Yeah, incorporating yourself into that payments environment. As you mentioned, you know, having that interest-free offering is driving sales from a business perspective and it's also giving consumers a bit more flexibility without having those interest-bearing credit cards that they have. So would you say you're trying to be a more responsible lender in that way? I think we're definitely trying to be much more on the customer side uh, than a typical credit card, for example. So our fee structure is extremely transparent and very simple for the ZipPay product. If you do have a balance over the longer term and you need more time to pay back, the maximum will cost you $6 a month. And it's an account. As you pay it down, you can redraw on it. There's no interest ever on that product. Um, so we encourage customers to pay back their minimums quicker than a credit card. So we don't want customers accruing large balances and struggle with that debt. It's about giving them flexibility and managing their finances. So we see ourselves more as a budgeting tool sitting within their other credit contacts. Yeah, and kind of educating them around that, protecting them in a way from accruing that debt. Exactly. And making it easy, making it digital. So we, we need to be able to originate credit real time at checkout, whether you're online or in a store. And so that customer experience is also really important to us, how we differentiate ourselves by, by just being really simple, very clear very customer experience focused. And, and it's the combination of that, a really strong customer value proposition, which is clearly resonating with customers that's, that's driving the business's growth. Wonderful. And then from a business side, how are you getting these businesses on board to have your products as a payment option for these consumers? What's really nice there is because the customers are almost demanding it, there's this customer advocacy that we don't even drive. All these Facebook groups that just form, that they're petitioning on our behalf to the retail turns it on. So, so that's amazing. We do have a, a sales team and we focus on verticals and we have a small business team because we really want to be across the market. There's 2 million small businesses here in Australia. That's a massive opportunity for us and we yeah. definitely want to play in that space. 
and arming our sales team with the case studies of showing, you know, what the benefits are, you know, the increase in conversions, the increase in basket sizes, and almost that marketing element where if you're on our store directory or you're in one of our EDMs, we will push a lot of new customers to you. So it's the combination of all those things that I think are the, the retailers on board. And I think the other thing and something that we're quite conscious about is you need more than that attention. You need to make the integration extremely easy. So for small businesses, we have Shopify, Neato, big commerce plugins. It's really easy to turn us on. Mm-hmm. On the big end of town, we'll integrate into pause systems, we'll integrate into other payment types of ecosystems. So when the retailer says, well, they get over the line, it's not a six month massive investment in terms of integration. So we've made pretty big investments in the API background and these plugins that sort of make that ability to turn zip on as, as seamless and as smooth as possible. Wonderful. It's great how you're going for both sides of the market from these small businesses to these, you know, developed businesses with high tech systems, being able to integrate into both in such a short period of time. Earlier on at the start of our kind of call, we were talking about regulation and all of the exciting new things that are happening in the Australian market at the moment and, you know, predict to happen. How are you seeing regulation impacting your industry segment? Sure. It's very topical, actually. It's sort of a, there's not a week that doesn't go by where there's not um, some press out there talking about regulation in the space. And and how it actually plays out is yet to be seen. We're, we're still in the, the thick of it. So what's happening is the growth has been phenomenal for businesses like ours and competitors. And we've been sort of flying under the radar. But when you have millions of customers you know, there is going to be a little bit more oversight that comes with that. We're, we're actually quite excited about it, to be quite frank. And the reason is we have a fully regulated credit product as well. We have an Australian credit license. We have a financial services license. Um, if you look at the team, we've come from a credit background. So I was head of strategy at the largest credit bureau. Our chief growth officer was running personal loans at Westpac. Peter Gray, one of the co-founders, 20 years in credit. So we've built our products to sort of withstand a full responsible lending check. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and we are very across the fact that we are issuing credit to customers. And we take that responsibility extremely seriously. So it, what is clear is that there will be increased focus and, and increased regulation in the space. Yeah. We see that as potentially um, creating a new competitive advantage for us. So we don't see much business disruption should things actually change in the near near to medium term. And just to follow up on that one, that's also how we differentiate ourselves to some of the partners that we're dealing with, because they're very conscious of what's happening in this space. They're very conscious of their brands as well. We credit and we ID check every customer. Most customers are going through a real-time bank check. Mm-hmm. And I think that's of also driving some business to us today because the market is quite conscious that things might change there. Yeah, definitely. And and there are some businesses out there that their commercial model is, again, different than ours. Um, their fees might not be as transparent or, you know, they, they might, you know, generate lots of revenue from late fees. And those kinds of things are never going to be looked upon favorably by the regulators. Of course, yes. So actually on that topic, how, how do you differentiate yourself from competitors in the market? How do you stand out? Sure. I, I guess there's, there's a couple of things. One is our product is quite unique. There's lots of players out there that will do sort of that reverse lay by, split in four, split in six. And we, we give customers an account. Um, we originate an account for them that the amount that they can draw down is 
tailored to them, so different account limits based on what we feel they can afford. And that gives them the, the flexibility to make multiple purchases through the month and have one repayment come out at the end. Mm-hmm. So some of these other have, they just have this very rigid payment schedule. If you, you were to make multiple purchases, it gets very hard to manage. So one of the things we think we differentiate ourselves is by giving customers that real flexibility to manage their repayments mm-hmm. and pay us back week, fortnightly, monthly, whatever works for them. Okay. So they can control their own payment schedule, whether that's in the app or the web wallet. So I think that's a key point of differentiation mm-hmm. for us. The other is because we can span this very large one to $30,000 limit, there are certain verticals that we can play in that others can't. Um, and then also customers can sort of use it more flexibly across different verticals as well. So they might have originated with a solar panel purchase, but now they can use us to buy tools and car parts. So it's that, that ability to sort of give them an account and then for them to go out and use that account in multiple places. Yeah, that's amazing. Just being able to to fit in with their lifestyles in so many different ways. 100%. And our revenue model is quite different. So we're a mix of consumer pay. We're very clear that for some of our products, if they go past interest-free period, there is interest. There's a monthly account keeping fee. Because of that, it gives us that flexibility. We're not relying on only one side of the equation and we can sort of cross-subsidize the two. We see ourselves as credit providers, the way we originate and the way we decision is quite unique. So the investment in the decisioning tech is market leading and that plays itself out in in the very low bad debt rates. So, you know, I think in our last report, it was around Mm 2.7% below our, what we vision for, which is three and well below comparables and market. Mm -hmm. I guess the last one is we, we really sit in the, this epicenter of credit payments and marketing. And on the marketing side, I think the way we we work with partners to amplify each other's brands and market and co-sponsor campaigns and just sort of, you know, introduce them to our audience and vice versa. Yeah, I definitely do see that in advertising as well, actually. Different brands having sometimes a little poster or a flyer at the cash point in the shop, um, which is a great placement for you. And as the, the market is getting used to these sort of services being available just again, reminding them they have this other option of payment, which they may previously have not been aware of. Well, it's a really exciting time to be in Australia. It seems like you guys are really doing wonderful things out there and with the consumer in mind. So what's next? What's next for Zip Money? Well, I think there's a lot still to do on the court. So the market opportunity that we have with our current customer base and growing that customer base, we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves and thinking about other markets. There's a massive opportunity here in Australia. Getting the customers to really sort of embrace Zip, use Zip more often, become their preferred payment method and building deeper relationships with those customers. That is still very, very much our core focus. Saying that as our customer book grows and our partner book grows, There's other opportunity to introduce other services and products to those customers. And then we also have a small business in New Zealand that we've stood up that we're really planning on scaling up in the next 12 months. So I think it's a lot more of business as usual and advising the opportunity in the market that we play in today. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Tommy, so much for your time talking to me about all the amazing things you guys are doing. Thank you. Have a great day. Today I'm joined by Kate Wilson, Research Director for Australia and New Zealand at RFI Group, who's going to be sharing some of the consumer data and insights behind the Buy Now, Pay Later services across the Australian market. Kate, nice to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. 
So kicking off, can you start by sharing a bit of an overview of the awareness of Buy Now Pay Later services and how that's playing out in the Australian market? Yeah, definitely. So what we're seeing uh, actually in Australia as well as in New Zealand is really high rates of awareness for Buy Now Pay Later services and really quite significant increases in terms of awareness over time as well. Uh, So when we look at the Australian market, 68% of consumers are now aware of a Buy Now Pay Later service. So have now seen one of the Buy Now Pay Later services at checkout. A lot of that's been driven by Afterpay. So 65% of consumers in Australia are aware of Afterpay. And then if you look at usage, one in five consumers have now used the Buy Now Pay Later service um, at 18%. When we look at the New Zealand market, we see quite similar statistics, uh, slightly uh, lagging for where we are in Australia, so perhaps 12 months behind, um, but really a great success story for Afterpay in particular, uh, as well as Zip in Australia in terms of that growth and awareness and usage. And I think over my period at, at RFI, at least this is probably one of the the fastest rates of awareness and usage we've ever seen in terms of a new product entering the market. Wow. So in terms of awareness and usage, how is this playing out over online channels versus in-store? And are you seeing any variances across demographic groups? In terms of awareness, uh, I think we're still seeing much higher rates of awareness for online versus in-store. In-store is catching up, but it's still very much an online proposition in the minds of consumers, especially when we're talking about usage. A lot of it has to do with the types of merchants has partnered with. So a lot of those sort of online-based fashion websites um, that have really helped to drive that awareness. When we look at it from a demographic perspective as well, they've really been targeting that millennial segment. So segments that are already shopping online that are using those type of websites. And that's really what's driven uh, the success of Buy Now Pay Later in Australia to begin with. But we are seeing those other age groups catch up. So for Afterpay Awareness, for example, almost 90% of millennials have said they've seen Afterpay logo uh, while making a purchase but if you look at even baby boomers who we consider to generally sort of be a bit further behind perhaps when we're talking about sort of digital services and and uptake of new products and services still 52 percent of baby boomers have seen an afterpay logo so that older age segment are starting to notice these payment options as well and while they are sort of behind in terms of um, usage of them they are starting to, to trial them as well The other interesting thing that we're seeing in terms of that sort of split between online and in-store is that while Buy Now Pay Later services have really taken off online, they are widely available in-store. But when we come to in-store payments, consumers are still sort of reverting back to traditional payment methods. So in Australia, that's largely driven by the prevalence of contactless cards, the contactless cards being so quick and easy, um, whereas using a Buy Now Pay Later service sometimes a bit tricky, uh, is what our data suggests, the sort of experience of having to make sure uh, you've opened the app, that you've got the right piece of information on your phone, that the sales assistant is enabled to process that payment does seem to cause friction in that payment experience, which is why we think we're not seeing those, those high rates of usage in store. But that's something that could potentially change over the next couple months also and definitely something we're watching. Mm, definitely an opportunity there to reduce that friction in the customer experience in store so that these sorts of organisations really can get ahead in the space. So earlier you mentioned that this has been one of the fastest product uptakes that you've seen in the market, which is pretty incredible. Why do you think this is? What was the needs gap behind this and why are consumers using these services over, say, traditional credit products? 
when we ask consumers why they've been using buy now pay later services and it's a question that we're getting asked a lot by our clients the general theory that we were or that was posed to us was that these products were being used by people who otherwise didn't have access to debt products so part of that's been driven by that millennial segment being the early adopters of uh, buy now pay later services and the fact that a lot of people who use buy now pay later services don't have credit cards but what we've actually seen when we ask them why they use buy now pay later that it, it isn't to do with not having the money available or, or not having a credit card that they can use they actually just want it as a budgeting tool so the primary reason why someone uses afterpay is that it helps me budget another reason is just wanting to give it a try so as you mentioned before Afterpay and Zip uh, checkout logos are sort of all over um, a lot of online stores at the moment. So seeing that logo when they're checking out is really sort of reinforcing to customers. This is another way you can pay. And for the example of Afterpay, then having that sort of easy breakdown of a payment into four equal installments, uh, which makes payment look cheaper, makes the purchase look cheaper. That sort of driving, that sort of, I want to try this and I want to see what it's like. And that means I don't have to make this big payment in one go. Probably the other point there is that the, the most buy now, pay later purchases, especially for Afterpay if are relatively low value purchases. So they tend to be under $150 and in a lot of cases under $100. So it's not necessarily that customers are making a large purchase that they want to split out over time. Um, but even those smaller value purchases, especially for a millennial customer, been able to budget with a payment mechanism rather than having to do that budgeting on their own does seem to meet a consumer need there, but it's more about budgeting rather than access to credit. So there's clearly an appetite and growing usage. How satisfied are consumers when it comes to buy now, pay later? Really high, actually. So when we look at Afterpay or Zip, the vast majority of their customers indicate that they were very satisfied with the process of making the payment with that service. And you also see that in the return rate. So customers are using these services multiple times because they are so widely accepted, especially for online purchases. There really is that sort of ability to then go in and to use them again and again. If they weren't sort of offering that good service, you wouldn't see those return rates either. And I think that that partly goes down to the process of checking out with Afterpay or with Zip online is very frictionless. Even if you think about the process of making a payment online and having to enter all of your card details, being able to click a button and pay with Afterpay, not only is that helping you with that budgeting aspect, but it actually is a sort of easier and more seamless payment experience, which is why we think it's been so successful online in particular. And do you see the rise of these types of services um, start to displace any other forms of credit in the market? You mentioned it's growing rapidly. Are we at the point now where it's actually starting to affect the uptake of other credit services? It's a really good question and something that we're definitely tracking. So the theory is if you're using Afterpay, then you don't need a credit card. Our data doesn't suggest that that's happening just yet. Uh, So the people who are using the likes of Afterpay or, or the likes of Zip do tend to be younger. They do tend to be less likely to have a credit card. And when we look at the cards that they have attached to those services, they also tend to attach a debit card rather than a credit card to those services. But we haven't actually seen any sort of decrease in terms of appetite for credit cards just yet. That's something that might change in the future. But these are customers who weren't credit card holders to begin with. So I don't think it's that they've chosen to use Afterpay rather than to take out a credit card. And that goes back to using Afterpay for a budgeting reason rather than because they wanted access to credit that they didn't already have. 
And actually what our data suggests is that using a service like a buy now pay later service might be helping these customers to get more accustomed with debt products. So while users traditionally don't have or are less likely to have a credit card, when we look at their intention to take out new products in the future, they're actually more likely than non-users of a similar demographic segment to be looking to take out a credit card over the next sort of 12 months or so. And what we think is happening there is that these are customers who aren't particularly savvy when it comes to debt products, but the experience of using a buy now, pay later service, to budget, to pay something off, to have that experience of paying something off over time actually gets them more confident and um, potentially does lead to them taking out credit cards and other debt products because they sort of, they, their financial uh, literacy and in particular in relation to debt products does seem to be helped by using a buy now, pay later service. And of course, Afterpay and SIP aren't accepted for all payments either. So there always will be a place for credit cards. Um, it's probably just can't uh, sort of ignore the fact that Afterpay and, and SIP will displace credit cards perhaps for smaller value payments, but there will always be a place for credit cards even amongst buy now, pay later users. Okay. And then I've read somewhat controversial articles recently saying that people are using these types of services, um, particularly amongst the millennial generation, that some of them are getting themselves into kind of larger debt based on not managing their finances correctly. How do you see this playing out and how much is regulation made into this? From a, a personal perspective, so I probably can't talk to what our research is saying because we haven't sort of looked at the regulatory aspect uh, to that degree. But I think that debt products, whether it's a buy now, pay later service or whether it's a debt product like a credit card or a personal loan, there's always that potential for particular customers or certain customers to overspend or to end up in debt. When we look at younger buy now, pay later users, so younger consumers who haven't used buy now, pay later, that's actually one of the reasons why they haven't used a, an afterpay like service because they're worried about getting into debt. Um, so I think there's always that potential with any product, but I think the nature of buy now, pay later services, because there are those set payments, actually helps customers um, in terms of that budgeting element to be more on top of their payments. And I know there's sort of anecdotally stories about people getting into large amounts of afterpay debt, but it's nothing that we've seen sort of coming through our data and I don't believe it's the norm. The other thing that we've seen from Afterpay in particular is in response to some of that, making sure that customers are really aware of the fees that they're charged. So um, personally, having used Afterpay myself, um, you receive a notification, I think it's four days before your payment's due, reminding you um, that a payment's going to be coming out of your account and then you receive a text message on the day. So they really are making sure customers know when they have to make payments. And our research also suggests that that's what customers want. Um, not just from buy now, pay later services, but from their banks as well. So whenever we test services around personal financial management or budgeting tools, one of the primary uh, features that consumers want is to be told when there's something coming out of their account so that they can make arrangements to make sure that they don't dishonor a payment or that they, their account doesn't go negative or that they don't have um, less money in their account than they had planned for. So some of the, the elements of those services are sort of meeting those consumer needs around personal financial management and budgeting. Well, thank you so much for sharing those insights. It's really interesting to see just how quickly these products have taken off in the Australian and New Zealand markets. And it will be really interesting to see if these services kind of expand to other markets around the globe. It sounds like the key takeout here is that these organisations could really focus on streamlining their in-store offering to just reduce the friction and customer experience and then there's kind of a great opportunity there to really then stand out from their competitors. 
Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing is that customers really love these services. So we spoke a little bit about their satisfaction with these services, but um, you can also see just from the types of merchants that are starting to offer that their customers are asking them for these services. So customers think of these services as a valued proposition. So if they can make that install payment more frictionless, you could assume that there would be an increase in install usage as well. Kate, it was so great to catch up with you. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Adele. We hope you enjoyed the episode this week. For more information on this episode or to subscribe to the podcast, head to globaldigitalbanker.com. For updates on upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn under RFI Group.